All right, once again, we can turn our Bibles to the book of Romans in chapter number 8. The book of Romans, chapter number 8, and um, we're going to be just reading a couple of verses once we get there. But how many of you have heard the poem, The Dash? You know, that poem that was written to talk about the connection between the two dates on the tombstone and talking about the dash between the two dates on a tombstone. And it says, For it matters not how much we own the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. I know you've probably heard that poem before. And of course, that poem is thinking or is encouraging people to think about the way they live their lives. And so today I want us to think about uh, the way that we live our lives. And we want to go back to uh, Romans chapter number 8 and verses number 29 and 30. And we're going to build upon a thought that we've been talking about. And the message today is about between justification and glorification. Verse 29, for whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. And we've been, we spent the last couple of weeks talking about this chapter and the blessings of this chapter, and we have just talked about, um, you know, about being justified and glorified. And, and so today we're going to talk about, well, what happens in between that time? So we've been talking about this golden chain of salvation. We've been trying to hold Christ up to you to help you to see uh, why you should be so in love with Christ and to, for you to see the value of your redemption. And because you are in Christ, you are secure in Christ, because you have been justified in Christ, you know that one day you're going to be uh, glorified, but today we're going to talk about what happens in between that time. Because in between that time, you have believed on Jesus, you have been justified, you've been declared righteous by God, but you're not yet glorified. So what happens in between that period of time? And we notice we said, uh, then he called, or uh, he, can, he predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. And so what happens in that in-between time is that we are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And we've mentioned already that process is called progressive sanctification. And so what's going to happen between justification and glorification? That dash between justification and glorification is the process of sanctification whereby you are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But we also want to understand that that is a fact, that we have been predestined. If you are in Christ, if you have been born again, if you are redeemed, if you have been justified by the blood, you understand that it has been determined by God beforehand that you will be conformed in the image of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say that you ought to be or you should be. No, you are going to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It is the work of God in you because it is His will that you will be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And we understand that the Holy Spirit is that which does this work. And so, 
one who has been called will be in the process of being conformed. And I also want us to understand, and this is leading us to next week's message, where does this process take place, this process of progressive sanctification? Where do we learn to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always? It happens in the church. This is why that God has given us the church. It's because in the church is the place where we are conformed to the image of Jesus, where we are progressively sanctified. It's where we learn how to observe the things that Jesus commanded. And so we want to understand the value even of the church. We can't properly be conformed without being in the church. Because that's God's design. It's where we are to learn. It's where we're to be taught. It's where the Holy Spirit works in and through us. Now, can there be some conforming and sanctification going on outside the church? Yes, but where does God's design for us, to, for this to take place? Inside the church. So the first question, though, might be, well, why do we need to be conformed? And the answer to that is really easy. The reason we need to be conformed to the image of his son is because we are not. So what does the word conformed mean? And we mentioned this last week, but conformed means having the same form as another made to resemble the likeness of. And so here it says he predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. God's desire for you is for you to resemble Jesus. And the reason we need to be conformed is because we don't resemble Jesus. There are many places in our lives where we don't measure up to the same character of Jesus. Would you be so bold as to say that in every place in your life that your character conforms to the image of Jesus? That you are just like Jesus in every way. A man who never sinned. A man in whom's mouth was found no guile. A man who was perfect. That's who God designed for you to be conformed to his image. But we're not that. And that's the reason we know that we need to be progressively sanctified. See, one of the things we want to remember about the Christian life is that it, the standard for our Christian life is not to be all you can be. The standard for the Christian life is not to do the best you can. The standard of the Christian life is Jesus. And we want to understand what a standard is. A standard is that by which all others are judged. You know, if you go and you have any kind of test in a manufacturing facility, a manufacturing facility will have a standard. You have the American uh, Standards and Testings of Measurements. ASTM, and ASTM sets the standards of, on a product that is, uh, uh, is able to be produced. Or, and, and so we understand there's a certain standard. And so when we think about the standard, the standard is Jesus Christ. And we're comparing our lives to G, the life of Jesus. And so in order for us to think about this, I want us to think about a, a painter. I don't know who your mate, your, the most famous painter that you might know is, the one that paints a, a portrait. But you know, you go back into our history and there's those famous portraits of, like, uh, of our presidents, you know, and, and, and every president has a portrait painted of them. And, and when you think about the skill of a painter, which painter has the greatest skill? 
The painter that has the greatest skill is the painter that can paint a portrait that looks exactly like the subject of the painting, right? And when you go and you look at a portrait of a, a painting, port, a portrait painting, what are you going to do? You're going to say, well, you know, that really don't look like their nose, you know, doesn't exactly turn like that. And their eyebrows are a little bit high or their eyes are a little slanted. You, you know, you take the person that, the real person, and you compare the portrait to the person. And you're looking for all the flaws, right? And you point out all the places where the portrait doesn't match the real thing. When we think about us being conformed to the standard of Jesus Christ, we want to think about, here's the standard of Jesus Christ. And then we want to look at our lives. And we want to look at ourselves and say, these are the places in my life where I don't measure up to the standard. And it's in those places where I lack conformity to the image of Jesus Christ that I need to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We should be looking for the places in our lives where we miss, where we're missing the likeness of Jesus. And so we want to understand that the reason we need to be conformed is because we're not. We're not conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We don't perfectly match Jesus Christ. And we want to remember that when God created man in the Garden of Eden, He created man, Adam, in His own image. Genesis 1.26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He him. Male and female created He them. And so when God created Adam, Adam was created in the image and the likeness of God. And we might wonder, what does that mean? And that means that when, God, when man was created in the image and the likeness of God, it meant that, that God created man to be his representative on earth. He created man to have dominion over this earth. So God created men to show the world this is who God is. He was to show the world this is who God is. And what do we know that happened? What happened to the likeness of God that, in which Adam was created? Sin happened, right? And when sin happened, we lost that perfect likeness of God. We lost that perfect image of God. Man is now, because of sin, a deformed likeness of God. We're not made perfectly in the likeness of God because of sin that is in us. And since this, we have this deformed likeness, we need to be reformed. We need to be renewed to the likeness of God. This is what being conformed is. It's being taking that which has been tainted by sin, that likeness of God that has been uh, broken by sin, and restoring it back to the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what progressively, progressive sanctification is. It's taking something that is tainted by sin, the deformed image of God, and reforming it into the image of Jesus Christ. 
And that's what God is working in us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure, is to taking that which is broken and restoring it back to the image of God, to the image of Jesus Christ. And we want to understand this is God's will for us. It is God's will for us to be sanctified into the image of Jesus Christ. Jason Helopolis says this, Sanctification is the desire and pursuit of becoming like the one we love. That's why loving Christ is so important. That's why understanding that we've been redeemed is so important. It's why understanding justification it's understanding that if you are on the daily Bible reading program and if you go through uh, the daily reset that they have for us and, and the scripture today, today's daily reset scripture was from the book of 1 Peter and it talks about being redeemed and it says the just for the unjust. If we understand the just one was given to us who are unjust. That even when we are dead in our trespasses and sins, He hath quickened us together with Christ Jesus. If we truly understand our redemption and justification, if we truly understand that, we will fall in love with Jesus. The one who's not in love with Jesus is the one who does not understand they have been redeemed from their sins. They don't remember the depths from sin from which they were snatched. They don't understand that they were snatched from the pits of hell and were given eternal life. They don't, they don't grasp that. The more we love Jesus, the more we'll want to be like Him. And so we understand we need to be conformed to be made into the likeness of Christ. And that happens through the process of sanctification. Now I looked at the definition of sanctification, and this is according to Webster's Dictionary. What is sanctification? It is the act of making holy. In, even, in an evangelical sense, it's the act of God's grace by which the affections of men are purified or alienated from sin in the world and exalted to a supreme love to God. And so what's the natural result of you being in the process of being sanctified? Your affections are going to be purified. Your affections will not be on the things of the world. Your affections will be set on things above. You'll be alienated from sin. In other words, you'll understand these are the places where I am deformed. The image of Christ in me is deformed. And you recognize that sin and you want to remove that from your life because that sin is not allowing you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So you want to be alienated from that sin so you can be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And it will cause you to love Jesus Christ. Because one reason you'll love him is because you understand the good that he's doing in your life. How he has given you that hope of eternal life. That blessed hope. And so you're going to love him because you know your hope is in him. And we could talk about that forever. But today, we all need to just think about our own lives. And think about your desire to be sanctified. How great is your desire to have your affections purified? 
To have the things you love purified to where you love the things God loves. To where you hate the things God hates. How is the Spirit working in you so that you can be alienated from sin and the world? Again, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. So how is the Spirit working in you today? Not me, not someone else. How is the Spirit working in you to alienate you from the sin that is in the world? How is the Spirit working in you to exalt you to supreme love to God? That's what the Spirit's doing in you today. If you are born again, the Spirit is conforming you to Jesus Christ. The Spirit is turning you away from sin. The Spirit is turning you to God. And that's a common definition of sanctification is to be set apart, to be set apart from the world and set apart to God. So how's this process of sanctification take place? I know you guys know Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holding acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Listen, and be not conformed to this world. Right? You present your body a living sacrifice unto God, be not conformed to this world. But what? But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, so sanctification begins in the mind. Being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ begins in the mind. It begins with a change of mind about life, of the change of mind about what is displeasing with God. Hey, it might even be that you begin to understand, hey, the standard is not me doing the best that I can do. The standard is Jesus Christ. And I can never be satisfied with my sanctification until I am perfectly conformed to the image of Christ. But notice this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. What do you know about Old Testament sacrifices? What did they have to be? They had to be without spot and without blemish, correct? They had to be pure. If you're going to present your body as a living sacrifice unto God, it needs to be a pure sacrifice. And you need to be working to remove that which is impure so that you can truly present your body as a living sacrifice unto God. And why would I do that? Because he's redeemed me. Because he has bought me from death, hell, and the grave. And he has redeemed me. And he's declared me just. And because I know that he's declared me just, I want to present my body unto him without blemish. I also want you to notice the negative here. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And notice he says, and be not conformed to this world. If you're going to be conformed to Jesus, you can't be conformed to the world. Your thinking can't be according to the world's thinking. Your philosophy can't be the world's philosophy. Your standard can't be the world's standards. You have to think differently. You can't be like the world. So, so if we think about your thoughts today, the thing about thoughts are is that they're your thoughts. 
Everyone doesn't know your thoughts. I don't know your thoughts. God does, but I don't. But if we would look at your thoughts today, to what are your thoughts conformed? Are your thoughts conformed to the world, the world's philosophies, the world's goals, the world's ideas, what is pleasing to the world? Or are your thoughts conformed to God? What about your actions? Are your actions conformed to the world? Or are your actions conformed to God? What do you resemble today? Do you resemble the perfect standard of Jesus? Or something else? See, sanctification happens as our thoughts begin to be conformed to the image of Jesus. When we begin to think about God has predetermined for me to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, and I begin to think about life and say, this is God's goal for me. This is God's design for me. God's design for me is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And I want to do everything within my power to be conformed to the image of Christ because I know this is the will of God concerning me. You see, my mind begins to change. Then, because our mind has changed, then our actions begin to change. Because we begin to see sin as exceedingly sinful. And we begin to see sin as it is a lack of conformity to the image of Christ. And we'll talk about more about that in just a minute. And we begin to think about what Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, when we're being progressively sanctified, when we're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, every thought is brought into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Why do I want to do that? I want to do that because I know that He loved me and gave Himself for me. And every place where I'm not conformed to the image of Jesus Christ is a sin for which Jesus Christ died. So I want to remove that from my life. And so you might think about your own life today. How is this happening in your life today? How are you learning to bring every thought into obedience to Christ? How are you submitting your thoughts to obedience to Christ? So first question, why do we need to be conformed? Because we're not. Second question, what hinders our conformity to the image of God? And the answer is simple. Sin. Sin is that which uh, hinders our conformity to the image of Christ. We have missed the mark. The standard is Jesus, and we're less than that. We have missed the mark of Jesus. The image of Christ in us is not a perfect image of Jesus. We have missed that mark. Again, remember, we were created to be a representative of God on this earth, to display His character, to show forth His glory, and we have missed the mark. And why have we missed the mark? For the same reason that was missed in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve wanted things their way instead of God's way, and they missed the mark. Today in our lives, we want to live lives our way. We want to do our thing. We want to do what we like. We want to think what we want to condone what we think is okay. And uh, 
You know, we want to say it's okay and, and, and we want it our way. We want to do what we want to do. We don't know what, what that standard over there is an unattainable standard. I'm not even going to try to reach that standard. And we'll talk about that in a minute too. But sin is missing the mark. And I want you to understand this. Sin is not just that you do wrong. I mean, it is wrong, right? God said, you know, I shall not commit adultery. Thou shalt do no murder. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. You know, all of those things where the Bible tells us and defines for us what sin is. And, and when we do those things, we've done wrong. But sin is more than that. I want you to get a new view of sin today. I want you to see sin for what it is. Sin is the places in your life where you do not measure up, you do not resemble the image of God. Sin is those places where you misrepresent the image of God to this world. Again, remember, God created you in the image and the likeness of God. You are to be His representative. You are to say, this is who God is. And when you sin, you're misrepresenting God. Have you thought about that? You see, sin is so terrible because it's a misrepresentation of God. It's not just that you've done wrong. It's that you've said this is who God is. If you look and you lust, you're saying, well, God lusts because I'm, an, I'm a representative of God. And when I lust, then I'm, I'm telling people this is who God is. When you lie, you're saying, they're saying I'm representing God and I'm misrepresenting the truth. You see what I'm saying? Sin is so horrible because you are misrepresenting God in your life because you are to be an image bearer of God. You are to be the representative of God. And when you sin, you are misrepresenting God to the world. You want to know why this world has such a poor opinion of God and such a poor opinion of Christ? It's because Christians have been poor representatives of Jesus Christ. Their lives have been poor representatives of Jesus Christ. They have lived in sin and said, this is how a Christian lives. And they've been a poor representative. We need to think about our lives. And think about all the places where we have misrepresented God. So what is it that hinders us? Sin. I also want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Because I want you to listen to this. And we'll go through this quickly. Verse number one. Furthermore, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God. Notice, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. I want to know what God's will is for my life. Here you go. The will of God is for you to be sanctified. The will of God is for you to be set apart from the world. The will of God is for you to be set apart unto God. The will of God is for you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. 
Now he's going to go on and he's going to explain what that looks like. That you should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess your, his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner. Because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have also forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despises, despises not man but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Paul reminds them that they have, they need to learn, they have learned from Paul how they ought to walk. And the way that they should walk is that their walk would be pleasing to God. Now I don't know about you all. But I knew pretty well when my walk was pleasing to my mom and dad and when my walk wasn't pleasing to my mom and dad, right? Uh, they, we had a set of rules, and when Mark went against those rules, maybe it was curfew, you know? And, you know, you have a curfew maybe of midnight. As long as my car was in the driveway by 12 o'clock, my walk pleased my mom and dad. If my car was in the driveway at 12.01... My walk was not pleasing to my mom and dad, right? I mean, I knew the rules. I got my walking papers like I talked about. You know, dad would grab my ear when I was young, and he'd bend it, and he'd talk right into my ear. And I knew full well when I got my walking papers. I knew what my walking papers were. And if, I don't know if you know what walking papers were, but when we went to somewhere, as you do this, you don't do this, and if you do this, this is going to be the result, you know. So I knew when my walk pleased my mom and dad. And Paul's saying here, that you've learned from me how to walk. And your walk is to be pleasing to God. And he reminds them that uh, the will of God for you is your sanctification. And he tells them, look, first thing, abstain from fornication. That's any sexual sin. Any sexual activity outside the bonds of heterosexual marriage is fornication. And let's understand, heterosexual marriage is one biological male and one biological female, right? God's, any, any, any sexual activity outside that is sin. And Paul's saying, listen, you, you know that. You, you know not to be involved in fornication. And he, and he goes on and he talks about every man knows how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Uh, that means that you, you know your relationship to your spouse and you're, you're going to live with your spouse according to the word of God, not according to the world's term. And, and a man's going to treat his wife honorably, not in the lust of concupiscence, which concupiscence is unlawful or irregular sexual desire. You know, you're not going to place that on her. And you know, I, I, as I was studying this message today, I, I thought it was interesting that some of the same issues that we are facing today that Paul was addressing back during the first century. But, but anyway, let's remember that Satan's greatest desire is to destroy the family, one of his greatest desires, and he's going to do everything he can to uh, distort that which God has designed for human flourishing. And the lust of the flesh is one place where Satan is at work to cause us to miss the mark. Think about how many of the world's problems arise because of distortion of God's plan for marriage. A man leaving his father and mother and cleaving unto his wife. Think about how many of the world's problems can be solved. If, we, if a man will leave his father and mother and to cleave his, unto his wife and only find his satisfaction in her. Think about how much the world would be changed if we would follow God's design for human flourishing. 
One who is sanctified will not defraud his brother. One who is sanctified will possess his vessel in in holiness and not uncleanness, will understand not to live impure. They will not despise, but they will understand that they are to love one another. And we could dig into that chapter in a, l- a little bit deeper, but, but I want you to see that, that Paul's saying, I've taught you how you ought to walk, and the one thing you want to understand is that God's will for you is that you be sanctified. And if that was God's will for the Thessalonians, then we want to understand it's God's will for us. God's will for us as His children is to be sanctified so that we can be a proper ambassador for Him. So that we can be a proper representative for Him. I also want to quickly talk about virtue for just a minute because Paul talks to the Philippians and he says, Whatsoever is virtue, if there be any virtue, think on these things. So, so what is virtue? What does it mean to be virtuous? Every day I listen to a thing called The Briefing by Al Mohler, and on Fridays he lets people write into him questions, and one of the questions he answered this past Friday was from a homeschool student who was being taught in a, a Christian homeschool program, and they are learning about the Socratic questioning method of learning, and they were asked to ask others about virtue. And so she, this student asked Mohler to define virtue, and Mohler says this, Virtue is that which aligns with the character of God, with God's law, God's commands, with holiness, with righteousness, with justice, all the moral criteria given to us in Scripture. Virtue is alignment in character and behavior, in language and demeanor, with those, char- with, with those criteria as Scripture reveals them. Muller also says, these are virtuous because they conform to God's character and God's law. So when we think about what does it mean to be virtuous, if there be any virtue, think on those things, it's to think of those things which are conformed to God, to God's character and to God's law. Muller also discussed what vice is. The opposite of virtue is vice. Vice is wrong behavior, wrongdoing, forsaking the law of God. And so we understand that virtue and vice, vice is not being conformed to the image of God. So, we saw the why do we need to be and what is it to be conformed. So now we've got to do the how, how to be conformed. And we've already talked about Romans 12 too. Be a transformed not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, so we, we think about uh, is changing our point of focus. The standard. How can we be conformed? We need to change our mind about the standard. We need to change our mind with what is well-pleasing to God. And we need to think about our lives And say, listen, I can't be satisfied with my sanctification until it meets the standard that God has designed for me. The standard cannot be self-determined. It can't be what I think is okay. It has to be the standard that God has set forth. And God has set, set the standard of holiness. God has set the standard of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So if we're going to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, our standard needs to be 
the image of Jesus Christ. And I know that you'll say, no, wait a minute. There is no way for me because I'm in the flesh. There's no way that I can be completely conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And to that I say, that's true. We can't be perfect because we still have this flesh. But so many people get satisfied with where they're at. And they think, well, I think God's satisfied with me because I do this and this and this and I don't do this and this, so I ought to be okay. We can't be satisfied with that because God's will is for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And we want to remember, every time that we're not conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, we're misrepresenting God. Think about that. Every time you tell a little white lie, every time you get angry without a cause, every time that you have that lustful thought, all of those things, you are misrepresenting God. So we can't be satisfied because what we're saying is, well, it's okay for me to be a poor image bearer of God. But even though it can never happen, I don't want you to get discouraged. You're saying, oh, I'm never going to do it. I'm I'm never going to be that perfect image of God. So what's the use of even trying? Listen, it's God's work. It's God who's working in you both to do and will of his good pleasure. And so you just want to keep pressing on because God's going to work his will into you according to his good pleasure. The only thing is you've got to join him in a fight. You can't just say, well, it don't matter and I'm not going to do anything. You've got to join him in the fight and have that desire to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and to be a good representative of Jesus. The reason that you can't give up is because the moment that you give up, you know, it's just like losing weight. You know, I've never reached my goal weight yet. I don't think I'm ever going to reach my goal weight. And it's come across my mind a few times to say, you know, I'm working so hard and I'm just getting nowhere. I'm never going to reach that goal. I might as well give up. And the moment that I give up and I begin to let down, you know, I start, lots of things start happening. But I start getting back into the place where I was sick. And I lose things that I have gained when I give up when I began to loosen my standards that I have for my diet. And the same thing happens to you if you begin to give up. You lose the progress that you've made. Remember, it's progressive sanctification. You're constantly moving forward. And if you give up, you loosen your standards. You lose what you've already gained. And instead of being a better image bearer of Jesus Christ, you, you, you're a, a lesser representative. So... So let's not give up. Let's understand the standard. Let's think about our minds. Let's have our minds changed. And let's press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, the will of God for you, even your sanctification. So I read just one stanza of the dash earlier. And the dash is about what happens in your life. Between the day you're born and the day you die. And what happens in between those things. They're your life. And we want to at the end of our lives to say, you know, I've lived my life the right way. But what about between justification and glorification? That's your sanctification, being conformed to the image of Christ. Know this. God is restoring you to the image of Jesus. Just think about that. That's what he's doing you day to day. God is restoring you to the image 
of Jesus. How and where does that take place? What's God doing in your life? That's what we want to look forward to. But I want to close with this. Have you been redeemed? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Without Him, you'll never be restored to the image of Jesus Christ. But if you're here today and you are redeemed, I want you to understand that Jesus is working in you to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. Get into work with Him. Be conformed so that you can be a proper representative of God to this world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and the opportunity we had to be in your house. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.